grab a cup of tea, get comfy and give me 20 minutes of your time. I'm expectant that through my words today, God is going to open our eyes to who he is and how our lives look as followers of Jesus. If you're exploring today and you're not sure that God exists, I hope this gives you an insight into the person of Jesus. And if you're a Christian today, this is a reminder of who God is, who we are in him, and an encouragement in how we live our lives as Jesus intended for the glory of God. I'm going to start with a story taken from a book, which is a collection of stories of Christians um, and their encounter with God as they've just gone about their daily lives. So this is by a guy called Richard from a couple of years ago. We turned the corner of one of the shopping streets in Bedford Town Centre. I saw a man who was doubled over and hobbling at a snail's pace carrying shopping bags. My heart broke with compassion and love for him. I knew that God wanted to show his love to him. So I went up and I asked his name. My name's Leslie, he said. Straight away, I realised he couldn't stand up and look me in the eye to hold a conversation. His condition was that debilitating. So I dropped to the floor and I lay on my back below his face so we could look each other in the eyes to talk. I started to ask how he got into this condition. He said it was due to powerlifting. He'd been bent double and hobbling for 20 years. I said I was a Christian and that I'd love to pray for healing, if he'd be willing. He was eager for me to do so. So I got back up. With his permission, I put my hand on his back. All of a sudden, he started to shake. I commanded his spine to straighten in Jesus' name, and he instantly stood up straight. We, he was completely overjoyed. I was so excited. I audibly praised God, and we talked about what had happened, and then he said he needed to do his shopping. He started to move off, and although he was now standing tall, he was still hobbling along painfully, slowly, and I felt God say to me that he hadn't finished. So I asked Leslie if I could pray again, this time for his legs and hips to be restored. I didn't have to ask twice. I put my arm around his shoulder and I commanded his legs and hips to be healed. Immediately, he started walking at a normal pace. I praised God again. I gave him a huge hug. I was blown away by God's love and so was he. I shared with him about Jesus and we finally parted to let Leslie, now standing tall, carry on with his shopping. What do you feel when you hear a story like that? 20 years hobbled over. Do you feel amazed, maybe sceptical, joyful, angry, cynical, filled with faith? Maybe you feel guilty or just thankful. Our response can be a good indication of where our beliefs lie in our hearts when it comes to signs and wonders. We're in our blueprint series, so we're looking at the blueprint of the church. What are the fundamental aspects of the people of God as they live in community? We've seen the importance of baptism in the spirit and in water, of receiving teaching, of fellowship with each other, the necessity of prayer, and last week, the power of evangelism. We're in Acts 2.42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. When you heard that story, were you filled with awe? Are we expectant of what God can do in the supernatural? See, Christianity is unlike any other faith. It's a faith rooted in what God has done for us, not what we can do for him. And yet he calls us into this wonderful journey of seeing the world through his perspective, learning to love people as he loves them. 
When it comes to signs and wonders, there's no better person to look at than Jesus himself. Open up the Gospels. These are the first four books of the New Testament. Until almost any page, and you will see an example of Jesus performing a sign and a wonder, something that defies natural explanation, a supernatural act. He never does it to show off or glorify himself, but with humility, he points to the Father. With love and compassion, he meets the needs of the one in front of him. And with majesty, he demonstrates the authority and power over evil. His first recorded sign is turning water into wine at a wedding, a celebration, a feast. God's promise is that we will one day be united with him like a bride and a groom at a wedding celebration on the final day. He tells demons that torment people to leave them, demonstrating authority over evil and recognising we're made to live in freedom and peace. He heals sickness. He does it privately like his disciple Simon's mother-in-law or a synagogue leader who calls him to his sick daughter. He's laughed at as he goes in and finds that the girl is dead and he raises her to life. And rather than parading her around to prove that he was right to show off his power he actually tells them not to speak of it he heals him publicly he he causes a paralyzed man to walk again and commands a hand that was shriveled to instantly regrow in front of a crowd he speaks to the natural by commanding storms to stop walking on water he defies gravity itself who on earth could ever do this Who could defy the laws of physics, of nature, biology? The one who created all things. That's who Jesus was the word and in the beginning was the word creating all things. Then you look at all of these things he does and he says to us in John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. So just as we see that these are the core pillars of the church, the normal Christian life for every believer as modelled by Jesus is to see the power of God on display through signs and wonders. Every person watching today who is a believer has experienced a sign and a wonder. You've received the gift of salvation. You've been given a heart of flesh and the Holy Spirit now lives within you. Your eyes have been opened. You know this from how your heart has changed and your love of God. You're adopted into the family of God. You're forgiven. You're righteous. You're no longer an enemy of God, but a child of God. You've received the gift of eternal life. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You know you will never die. Physically, yes, but we will never die. What a miracle. And anyone who has yet, not yet put their faith in Jesus, you've got this invitation open to you to repent and turn to God not to do better or sort yourself out, but believe that Jesus is the Son of God and receive his mercy and grace. That's it. That's all we need to qualify us to then live the life God has called us to, the life Jesus modelled. The gospel, this good news, is something we can share in word and in text for sure. 
but we also share it in the demonstration of signs and wonders. God knows the condition of the human heart more than anybody else. He knows that in this it's sometimes required for some to believe in him. Those who actually saw Jesus demonstrate these acts I spoke of in the flesh doubted who he was. And he responds by saying to them, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Jesus, the Son of God, is saying, look at what I've done to know that the Father is in me. We too are able to say the same. Romans 8.14 tells us, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, if we are children, then we're heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, we also share in his glory. This is your position today and it is all a gift of grace. What's a sign? Well, it points to something. And God demonstrates signs to point to him, to reveal more of his character, that those who don't know him will seek him and find him. What's a wonder? Well, a wonder is something we can't understand. That we can know the living God is a wonder. That he would be merciful to us is a wonder that he would die for us, a wonder. So to see someone healed before our eyes shouldn't trouble us as a wonder when we come from this position of faith. Knowing about God's character is one thing, and we can tell people he's loving and compassionate, but when God brings his comfort and peace supernaturally to someone in pain, they receive revelation in their hearts, and so do we. What am I saying? Because of the miracle you've experienced in salvation, And because of the truth of who you now are in Christ, you can expect to see miracles in Jesus' name for the glory of God. When we truly get who God is and who we are in God, we're able to step out boldly, not be led by fear, guilt or shame. What's your experience? The first time I offered to pray for someone, they were already a Christian. We were in a talk on healing And I had had a picture in my mind of an area that needed healing that I had shared from the front and this woman had responded to it. The first time I'd offered to pray for someone for healing. And yet the first words out of my mouth when I went to her were, I don't believe in healing. (laughs) I prayed a short prayer with another lady and the woman was healed. And my response outwardly was like, wow. But inside I thought the following, was she really healed? Was it even that bad to start with? It must have been because the other woman had prayed. Why has God healed this thing, but he hasn't healed some of the cancer that I've seen? There were a whole load of lies I was carrying about the goodness of God, about my identity as a child of God, and there was disappointment in my heart that I hadn't dealt with. If someone comes before you, they've got a bad back, And perhaps you know you should offer to pray. Maybe you've heard of a back being healed or you've had your back healed. The following scenario sometimes can happen. You offer your sympathies, but you don't offer to pray um, and you feel a bit guilty as they walk off. This is often me. (laughs) You offer to pray, the person declines. You're actually a bit relieved and you feel a little bit embarrassed. You offer to pray and there's no healing. 
Maybe you're a bit annoyed about, at God. You're like, well, this was your moment, God. And you use this to reinforce the fact it isn't worth doing. You might offer to pray and they're healed, but you don't get to share the whole gospel. So although you feel happy that God has answered some prayer, you feel like perhaps you should have completed the whole gospel explanation. Jesus says to us, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. I can be tempted to look at my experience. I've prayed and it hasn't appeared as though anything I've asked in his name has been done. So do I allow my circumstance to dictate the truth of God's word or do I choose to put my trust in his unfailing word? In Pete Carter's book, Unwrapping Lazarus, he speaks of things that hold us back from living the life as God intended. He describes a moment where he's, given, he's, he's going to pray for someone and he has a choice to make, to give in to the fear of disappointment or to have faith in the power of God. Obedience is our step. The outcome is God's. And the motivation is love. In a book on this topic that covers a lot of the nuts and bolts written by Wendy Mann called Naturally Supernatural, she says, if we don't expect much from God, we're unlikely to experience much. Our expectation of God comes from our view of him, our knowledge of his word and our journey in life. It can't be ignored that our expectation is impacted by circumstance. But we need to be able to acknowledge this whilst we saturate and root ourselves in the word of God. The challenge of suffering can often be a checkpoint on this journey and we can get stuck here, concluding that because God doesn't always appear to heal or break through, he won't. When we get who we are in God and we seek to simply love those around us, we have grace towards ourselves when we miss an opportunity. We know that, we, that if we ask God for another, he will meet that request. When we refused, to, when we offer prayer, we're unshaken because of our confidence in God. When nothing happens, um, we can demonstrate love and kindness, but also know that we can boldly approach God and take it to him. And when they're healed, we're able to give thanks and celebrate, giving glory to God and confident that it is God who saves. God is at work. We just need to be able to see what he's doing rather than what is not happening Jesus says in John 5, after he's healed someone, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. Jesus is inviting us into what he's already doing. He's not asking us, we're not asking him to join us as we jump out alone. He's already there. I'm not here to tell us to do better. I'm here to help us to see better. A group of people who had their perspective drastically changed and impacted by seeing what God could do were the disciples. So in Matthew, we're just going to look at one of the miracles in Matthew 8. Okay, so Jesus has just given the Sermon on the Mount. He's spoken to a crowd. He's taught them at length about all things from loving your enemies, from giving to the poor, how to pray, not to worry, not judging others. And at the end of chapter 7, um, the people, the crowds actually say they were amazed at his teaching because he taught with one who had authority. And then what follows is a physical demonstration of this authority. And then actually, if you continue to read, there is snowball after snowball of story of signs and wonders. So Matthew 8, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus was willing. If you hear nothing else today, then hear this. Sometimes our starting point is knowing that in a moment of praying for someone, God is willing. Too often, I allow my doubts of whether or not God really wants to demonstrate something to lead whether I go for it. Jesus also reaches out to those who others would avoid. Leprosy was a big deal. Leviticus outlines multiple requirements for anyone who had suspected leprosy. They were isolated, they were kept away from the community, they had to wear torn clothes, have their hair unkempt, they had to cry out unclean, unclean, they had to live alone and outside of the camp. To touch someone with this would be unheard of. For us, loving others means not allowing our prejudices, our fear, our ideas to keep us from getting close to those who others have forgotten. Reaching out to touch someone isn't always physical. In this current time of social distancing, it's important to know that prayers over the phone or online can hold as much power. The other thing we see is that Jesus stops his journey for an interruption. Meeting the needs of those around us will sometimes look like our schedules being interrupted, opening our eyes and allowing God to show us who he wants to demonstrate his love to. We see that Jesus is for all and he shows love and compassion. In the first story, Richard gets onto the floor to meet the eyes of the guy he's speaking to, to connect, driven by love and compassion. And the man doesn't hesitate to let him pray, wondering how he'll cope if it doesn't happen. As Christians, we get to be this physical presence of Jesus to others, driven out of love and not obligation. When we know the love that God has for us, we too are able to share it with others. When you fast forward to chapter 10 in Matthew, Jesus calls the 12 disciples to himself and gives them authority to drive out impure spirits, heal every disease and sickness. And he says to them, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. They have courage to go having seen what God can do. They've just seen him do it two chapters earlier. We get to give away all we have as we have received without deserving and knowing God is generous and has abundant provision for all. It's so important that we feed ourselves on signs, on stories of signs and wonders, not just in the past, but in the present, in the here and now. Testimonies of others builds courage and faith. It's not coincidence when you hear a story of a broken leg being healed and then the following day, your work colleague comes in on crutches with a broken leg. This is not for a few super spiritual people. This is the normal life for every believer. For me, I love a course. I think if people know me, you're probably nodding. I came back to God on Alpha. I then did a course called Freedom in Christ, which was about the truths of who we are. I then did a course called The Academy, which taught me about leadership. And I think if I'd stopped here, I'd have been fully convinced in my mind that this was true. If I'd waited for no fear or doubt or unbelief before I stepped out, 
I'd never have done so. I then personally on my journey completed a course called Training in Supernatural Ministry. Out of obedience to God, I went. It wasn't my comfort zone. Through many temptations to run away and chicken out, I found myself stood on a high street offering to pray for people. I'd never been more uncomfortable in my life. I also could have told you that God loved people, but standing before a stranger and allowing God to show me his heart for them was overwhelming. And in that moment, I realised how much God loves people and desires for them to know him. Of course, we can attend courses. I'll post a link on here um, if you're interested. I also recommend the book that I referenced, Naturally Supernatural, which shows you the practical nuts and bolts of how this looks in the day to day. But starting tomorrow, all we really need to do is wake and ask God, who today? Because when we step out, we, look, we can also look at how we respond in our hearts and take that to God, asking him to reveal more and more about who he is and how he loves people. Also, it's really helpful to take it to one another. Personally, in this moment that I speak to you, I have stepped back. I've allowed fear and disappointment to dictate my actions. There are some lies that have crept in about who God is and some disappointment that I have to process. There's a reason this is a church blueprint. It's done in community. We are to encourage and spur one another on with testimonies and courage, reminding one another of truths and the mission we're called to, remembering that there's one alongside us who always says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. King's Church, we are stepping into a new time and we get to take this blueprint along with us. Let's take today as a marker in the sand and commit as a community, to seeing God's kingdom break through in increasing measure through our everyday acts of courage and obedience. Let's allow God to shape us on the way. Let's celebrate the tiniest of things whilst expecting the greatest of things. As people, let's be regularly in awe at the stories of signs and wonders for the glory of God.